0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh, I can't remember what I was supposed to say. (laughs) Has a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth. Handsome son, bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Schlereth, and this is the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Schlereth, along with my co-host, Mike Evans. Uh, producer, Scott the Huff. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Core Water. I'm telling you what. ah, oh, you're going to love this water. I mean, crisp, clean, award-winning water. Tastes great. And the pH balance, Mike. I'm telling you what, I haven't worked out in a couple weeks, but when I go back to the gym with my core water and my tight pants on, I'm telling you what, could cause a riot, all right? Just could cause a riot because I am yoked and not afraid to show it. People are going to be like, wow, look at that guy's potential hydration. Yes, they are. They're (laughs) going to be like, that must be 7.4 because that's the perfect balance number. That's exactly what I have. My potential hydration is off the charts, people, because of core water water you can check them out at hydratewithcore.com. uh how are you man i was i was thinking i'm good thank you um i I was thinking i was thinking of trying to make the case can we do like a write-in vote for john gruden as nfl executive of the year no what okay think about it explain yourself think about it well now wait a minute reggie mckenzie who they just fired reggie who has been in the league, you know, studied at Green Bay under uh the I mean, is I don't know if he's the Hall of Fame or not. I think he might be. Ron Wolf, Hall of Fame executive. Reggie studied on him with Green Bay, then I mean he's been the general manager out there. He was the executive of the year just two seasons ago. So how all of a sudden is John Gruden gonna be executive of the year? Well, he single handedly Explain put, yourself. He single handedly put the Bears and Cowboys back in the playoffs. Brilliant. Huh? Brilliant. Huh? He did. Oh, my gosh. Right? Not the team he's coaching, but he put two other teams in the playoffs. Right? Who? What other coach has ever, what other executive has ever put two teams in the playoffs in one season and not the one he was coaching? Is it any shock that the first one to do it would be Gruden? The man's capable of doing anything. Oh, my gosh. The guy's brilliant. Obviously. Obviously. I mean, look at uh, you're you're 100 right though. I mean, look at that game on Sunday night between the Rams and the Bears. Now, this is the Rams' offense. They've been a juggernaut, right? They've run the ball. They've stuffed it down everybody's throat. Everybody has looked at, you know, at 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 the quarterback in Jared Goff as being at one point the potential kind of is he the MVP of the NFL conversation. Same with Todd Gurley, their running back. The Bears, you want to talk about just punching somebody in the lips from start to finish of that game. It wasn't close. I think they created four interceptions on Jared Goff. Uh, I don't think Todd Gurley did much of anything in that game. I was watching it on my way home from calling the Chicago – or excuse me, from calling the the Carolina Panthers at Cleveland Browns. Um, I'm telling you what, it it was an impressive defensive performance, and Khalil Mack is just – I mean, he is a man on the outside. So, it's clear that it's clear that Gruden is is one hundred percent now put his stranglehold on on this on this organization. So the fact that McKenzie's out and that Gruden is solely in charge is that a good or a bad thing? If you're a Raider fan, well, I mean, I think you know it's interesting that that's going to play out. I think the thing that you have to understand, and I think the thing that people don't look at, is I think there are some financial constraints with Oakland that make them unique meaning that they don't create and they cannot create enough revenue, enough cash flow, if they were to play, to, to pay Khalil Mack, you know, then then all of a sudden they wouldn't have been able to go out in free agency and do the things that they think they need to do. I mean, this is, ter- I mean, it, it's clearly just a dump of players and a dump of salary until they can get to Vegas and can start, you know, and can start, creating revenue, you know, from, from their stadium. So, but why get rid of McKenzie, though? I mean, it's a guy who everybody around the league understands has, has done a good job. If you're John Gruden, why, why wouldn't you want to have somebody like that working beside you? I, I know it, he inherited him. Right. Is that what it's all about? It's just You just can't work with somebody you inherited? It's got to be your guy? Does it just, is it, yeah. Is, do you just have to have your dude, your do-it-all guy, your you know, appointed brain trust. Is that is that where you are? And, and, you know, ultimately, Mike, that's probably where you are. Like, look at all the coaches that have gone in that direction. Whether it was, you know, the big show Mike Holmgren or whether it was Mike Shanahan here in Denver. Guys get empowered. Guys get that Bill Belichick is the GM slash head coach slash, you know, Grand poobah of all things football, guys get into that position and they want full and total authority and control. Like I always say, man, you think the egos are big in the locker room? Walk upstairs. I mean, think of, and think about. I mean, we talk about Chicago. Think about Dallas with Amari Cooper. I mean, here's a guy. I think he had 200 yards receiving, just over 200 yards receiving when he left Oakland. The guys had almost. Two 200-yard receiving games, right? He's had a couple of 180-plus-yard receiving games. I mean, it's been been amazing. How do you explain that? How do you explain? Because Derek Carr is a very good quarterback, and and Dak Prescott. We've seen Dak over the course of his career. I can't believe that Dak is so far superior to Carr that he's unlocked Amari Cooper. Well, I think think there's a couple of things. One, I, I think you understand what you are as an offense and you're going to run the ball. You're going to play the physical, you know, you're going to play the physical game. Uh, they weren't doing that in Oakland. Um, you know, the, as a matter of fact, they, they talked a good game about running running the ball, but they have just basically absolutely candid. They don't care. And, and I think what happens to you is you're going to get plenty of one-on-one opportunities or in those opportunities where they're going to keep a safety over the top and they're going to try to double-team you in some form or fashion, then the running game just opens up on that side of the football. So it's been a great complementary piece to Zeke Elliott. I mean, they've used that exceptionally well. And and make no bones about it. I mean, Amari Cooper is a great route runner. I just think, you know, you get into a situation where you're stagnant, where, you know, you don't like where you are, where you don't feel appreciated or valued, where, you know, I mean – The thing about players is they're human too. And I think Amari Cooper got a new lease on life when he got out of Oakland and when he got out from underneath, you know, what all the things that are the Oakland Raiders. Because this is not just a John Gruden thing. This goes back to the year before. I mean, he went to the Pro Bowl as a rookie, and his last couple of years have been, they haven't been very good, Mike. They've been lackluster, you know, and and you know, calling them lackluster is probably an insult to lackluster things, you know. Call your shot right here. Okay. Of these three teams that you think has the best chance of getting to the NFC championship game, the Bears, the Cowboys, or the Seahawks? Bears, Cowboys, or or Seahawks with the understanding wow. that the Saints and Rams are your clear favorites. Right, right, right. But that right. one of those teams one of those teams will get upset by mm. fill in the blank yeah. to get to the NFC Championship game. I think I think the team for me that has done a phenomenal job of establishing identity and understanding who they are the Seattle Seahawks. Pete Carroll way they're going to run the ball, the way they're going to control the tempo of the game, uh, the big play nature. So you look at them, like last night in a Monday night game where Russell Wilson and the Seahawks win, what, 21-7. to Russell Wilson made a couple of big plays with his feet. Like I did a game in Seattle a couple weeks ago where in the first half I think Russell Wilson was – six for six, like with two big, with two long touchdowns or three, I think he was six for six with three touchdowns. I mean, it was, and they were all big plays over the top, you know? Like they are ground and pound, ground and pound. All of a sudden, whether it's a play action boot or whether it's a read zone or RPO, they take their shots. They establish that. So, uh, they have, they are, in my mind, they're egoless. Brian Schottenheimer, their offensive coordinator, doesn't have an ego. He doesn't, he doesn't care about putting up gaudy passing numbers. Uh, Russell Wilson is fine with winning. Like he doesn't care about putting up gaudy passing numbers. And yeah, you know, I'm talking to Ken Norton Jr., who's their defensive coordinator, and I was asking him about playing with a young group, and he goes, "You know, everybody sits and talks about the the freaking Legion of Boom." In 2010, they weren't the Legion of Boom. You know, they're the Legion of whom? They're just a bunch of kids. And you know what? They're a bunch of kids again. And yeah, there's a challenge to coaching a bunch of kids, but it's fun. And they're learning all the time, and they're playing better. And you start looking at, you know, Pete Carroll looking at a guy like Trey Flowers at the cornerback position who was a safety in college, and he goes, no, he's got length, and he's got speed, and he has got he can transition to play corner in the NFL. Like, you don't see – you see a lot of guys that play corner that you think, "Ah, oh, he'll transition to safety. You don't see a lot of guys who played safety in college that at the NFL level all of a sudden transition to corner. And Pete Carroll goes – I asked him this once – and he was really arrogant in the in the answer, and I appreciated it. You know, he just gave me snark. I'm like, how? Like, how do you pick this guy? And he goes, um, you know, forgive me for being an ass, but I kind of know what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, good. But like, how did you see it? And he goes, he goes, I'm looking for certain skills and f- and certain length and certain. That's how I want to play corner. And then you look at Griffin on the other side. I mean that dude's a four-three flat guy. You see him against. Uh, you see him against Carolina, the Panthers. Seattle went to Carolina and won a game that they probably should have lost. And Christian McCaffrey catches a pass and goes for about seventy yards, and he chases his ass down. And Christian can run. He chases him down and catches him on about the five or six yard line. You know, and it was a significant play for Seattle's defense. So, yeah. I, I just feel like that team is a team that's come together, and all those young components on the defensive side have come together now. They're going to get KJ right back. Um, they're going to get uh, Kendricks back at the linebacker position who had to sit out for a while for insider trading. Um, defensive line-wise, they're coming together. I, I, I just feel like that team's coming together. That team's a tough out. Like People don't want to play that team. You are ready to admit how wrong you were Yes, about Kirk Cousins? Man, there, you, were, I'm gonna, you were I'm gonna mining for Kirk Cousins. I mean make, when we were at the Super Bowl right. in Minneapolis at the Mall of America and you were just like, you know, over by the Panda Express and the uh, mm. Orange Jubilee, you were like Orange Julius, you were just like Orange Jubilee. Jubilee. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, Orange you know what? Jubilee. Yeah, I mean, if there isn't one, there should be one. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But you were just like, Hey Kirk, how you doing, Kirk? Kirk, hey, Kirk, yeah. Mark Schler, hello, hi. hi. Wanna come to Denver? Come uh, on, my show. And now look at him. Look Look at this clown. $84 million. Guaranteed. Like, good for you. Right? Good for you. You know, and and, uh, uh, incredibly accurate, right? Got passion for the game. Really accurate. You like that? Yeah, you like that? You know, completes. He'll complete 68, 71 percent of his passes. He'll put up you numbers, four thousand yard 28 seasons, twenty-eight touchdowns, and you know, eleven interceptions and four thousand and two. You know, four thousand two hundred sixteen yards. You know, that that's what he's going to do every year, right? And ultimately, when it comes to winning big games or winning good opponents or being what what my friend Eric Mangini calls being a force multiplier. Like playing above the X's and O's and and dragging your team across the finish line, just can't get it done. Like he made eighty four million dollars based on fantasy football, not actual football, because he puts up those kind of numbers. Look at this, buddy of mine from Seattle, who's a huge Seahawks fan, sent this during the game last night. Kirk Cousin career stats in primetime games: five and thirteen career winning. Our career record versus winning teams, 4 and 24. Record versus winning teams this year, 0 and 5. Career road record, 12, 23, and 2. Career record on Monday Night Football, 0 and 7. Like, I'm telling you what, okay, while I'm admitting I was wrong, the game I called in Cleveland. Baker Mayfield. Let me just tell you, all right, all balls. That dude has balls. I, I, Mike, if the Cleveland, if the Cleveland Browns were a stock, I'd buy. Oh, you hot snot, you! <laughs> you know you've done that twice now in this podcast. What's that steal of you, your line? Yeah, you referred to the Seattle secondary as the Legion of Whom? Mm-hmm. That's mine. And then the whole buying stock thing. Yours. Mine. Listen, about... I'm all for the intellectual property. You know what's People mine is yours, but stock, little bit of credit, stock. shall we? Uh, you know, whatever. I don't know. I, some guy I heard said it somewhere. I don't know. Uh, anyhow, but seriously, I would like. Yeah. I would totally buy in that stock. Absolutely. Like, I'm watching that cat on film, and ever since they fired, like, how bad is Hugh Jackson as a football coach? Seriously. Baker and, and, will tell you pretty bad, like, just like he's on. He's the brutally honest. He wears, you know, he wears his. He he wears that chip on his shoulder. He wants to prove everybody wrong, and I kind of like that, right? He is like brutally honest. He's like, uh, you know, I'll just be honest with you. Yeah, way too many voices. There's too many voices uh, with Hugh and with uh, what was the offensive coordinator's name? Todd Haley right and and, and kitchens it's a quarterback he goes there's too many damn voices everybody's saying hey you got to run this route this way you got to do this this way like as an offensive line i've had this conversation with my son a bunch as a pitcher like you go into an organization man as a pitcher and you've got a pitching coach you've got your manager you've got a bullpen coach you've got a catcher then you've got you know um you you've got an organizational like a, a you've, you've yeah. got a roving pitching coach yeah you've got a pitching coordinator you've got a roving pitching coach you got like you got seven voices in your head at all times like hey tweak this do this do this as an offensive lineman i had one coach it you know he would either tell you hey good job or you suck but that was the way it goes and baker is like i'll tell i'll be honest with you man we had too many voices we had like inconsistencies within our offense because we had we had Hugh saying one thing and then Todd Haley circumventing that and saying another thing. And then, like, there was no continuity. So they made that firing. Brian um, um, Kitchens, their offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens, has done a phenomenal job. And Baker Mayfield, dude, you put him on film. And I'm talking to a couple Carolina Panthers coaches. I said, what would you think? And they're like, man, I didn't think. I didn't think it was going to translate. I didn't think what he did at Oklahoma was going to translate. I thought, oh, spread offense, you know, a single receiver target and bubble screens and this, that, and the other. He goes, I didn't think it would, I didn't think it would really translate. They're like, that little son bitch, like he can play. I'm talking about climbing the pocket, ball skills, hand fakes, all that stuff. Reminding me of Brett Favre. But the the awareness in the pocket. To not look at the rush, but to slide from position to position, and then to climb the pocket. Now, he doesn't have—he throws it like Favre in that they both throw it really hard. Favre just had so much arm talent. He just, wah, wah, out of his hand. Baker, like rotational force from his toes, you know, just, yeah, every throw. But it's incredibly accurate down the field. Like, they've got them, like, to me— Watching him play, being around him, watching him practice on Friday, his leadership skills, everything else, his connection with his players, man. I think they found, after all this time, since 1999, like Prince, tonight we're going to party like it's 1999, they finally found themselves a quarterback in Cleveland. And like I said, that dude is all balls. Ready to do a little question mark? I am ready to do a little question mark. You know this question mark. Uh, here's what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the uh, the questions right here via my Twitter feed at Mark Schlereth. And um, I got a buddy of mine invented this little thing called clip and catch. I use it around the house. I use it around the yard. I'll follow you if uh, we use one of your questions, and um, I will. Oh, excuse me. I will send you um, a clip and catch. It's kind of a just a. Uh, for trimming bushes, trimming grasses, all that stuff, I use it all the time. It's really cool. So I'll, I'll send you one. How about that? You got a you got a question there? Off yeah, dude. The I, I have one that uh, comes in from Tim, who asks, uh, "Do you second guess Bill Belichick for having Rob Gronkowski as the last line of defense on the Miami Miracle?" <sighs> Absolutely. Miami. We got to come up with a better name than the Miami Miracle, don't we? I don't know. Why not Miracle in Miami? Mir- I don't know. It, it flows. Th- is something is there something with Gronkowski that we can do? You, see, like, you, just, you just look gr- for an excuse to talk a little Gronk, right? Like no, how well, would gronk, once, like how when- would Gronk sound? Like how would the conversation go? Moo? fire hot, <laughs> ball in the air, running back fast, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, I was just like, there's got to be like the uh Gronk or the uh you know I I anyhow, it doesn't matter yeah i mean it, it, the the one team that prides itself mike prides itself on on um just like situational, situational awareness. football Yeah, and stuff. Yeah. you you got to what it, it was like a 69 yard it was like a 69 yard you're not running a Hail Mary in that situation so your best, McCourty, one of your best defensive players is on the sideline for Gronk back there just being a caveman at the goal line. Like, they're not throwing that pass. You know, it's the same thing like when you kick a long field goal. You kick a long field goal that's going to come up short. You've got on on field goal block team, you got a bunch of athletes. you got a bunch of defensive players, defensive backs. you got a bunch of athletes. On field goal team, you know what? you got a bunch of fat guys. So we always say, oh, long field goal, guys, got to cover. Get down. Get down there. And, you know, it's scary to death because, I'll be honest with you, those little dudes are fast, right? And they're elusive. (laughs) It's like Fat Bastard going after Mini-Me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Die! Right? Mini-Me shakes him. You're lucky, wee man, right? Because he wanted to eat him, right? I'll have the baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it's like, you know, trying to cover a Cover a, a a long field goal attempt. So, like, that was just a, a classic mistake. You won. You won in Miami. You've always had a tough time winning in Miami. And situational football, what you pride yourself on, you know, bitch you in the ass. Yeah, it's 100% a mistake by Bill Belichick. And is it a sign that maybe the end is near for the Patriots because they don't lose games like this? You're right. They are the masters of situational football. They're always smarter and more well-prepared in those situations than you are. And the fact that they lost that way, mm. uh, to me, that, that's an omen. That's I, an omen. Listen, you tell me if Brady's going to retire, and I'll tell you if they're close to – Well, there's a, there's a very good chance that they could be on the road in wild-card weekend. Do you realize they have not played on wild-card weekend since 2009? Yeah. They, 2009. And listen, they're not a good – They've they, never if they been go, to the Super Bowl – right. If they're on the road, if they're on the road throughout the playoffs, they're not. They're not. No, they're not going to win. Nope. I don't think they're going to Kansas City and win. I don't think they'll go to Baltimore and win. Um, or if, Houston. Yeah. Uh, you know. I think there's. I think there's. There's definitely issues there. So uh, yeah. I you know. I don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year. But the bottom line is, if Brady comes back next year, they'll be one of the favorites once again. So I don't think it's the end is near so to speak, but um, anyhow, that's just kind of the way I feel about that. Hey, for everybody participating and everybody who is involved in the Stink the Truth podcast, we thank you. Uh, for my friends, you can go check out that clip and catch. And And who won that? Who won that? Uh, that's from Tim. From Tim. Tim, I will reach out to you, and I'll get your address, and I'll send you one. Thank you so much for participating. We really appreciate it. For Scott the Huff, uh for uh, Mike Evans, I am Mark Schler. Thank you so much, and um, we'll be back with you later on in the week.